Welcome to Justifying the F-Word. It's not what you think, guys. Are you sure? Yeah. F-Word meaning your 40s and your 50s. Let's keep it classy out there. Well, today we are going to be discussing how to live your best life throughout your 40s and 50s and how to keep it real on our inaugural podcast. 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 Here we are. Here we go, right? Yeah. Fun times. Yeah. Well, howdy, Megan. Howdy. So... Why don't we introduce ourselves here real quick? All right. Well, I'm Megan. I'm Quinn. Yeah, we are married, and we have been married for 20 years. Yeah. yeah. That That's the big one. That's the big and, one. Uh, I'm going to say, um, just like an AA meeting, if you will, my name is Quinn Brown, and I am a 45-year-old. Yes, and I am a 41-year-old, had my 41st birthday this week on yeah. Friday. It's yeah. actually birthday month. The month birthday month. So you guys might look at October as being October, but it is actually Megan's birthday month. So mark your calendars yeah, for that one. Kind of, kind of a big deal here in our house. So the first thing I want to dive into here. So let's talk about the dirty little F word and uh, how we got here. Ooh, that escalated quickly. Oh, yes, it did. Woo. Yes, you turned 41. I know. I I always joke uh, that I feel like my inner inner self is probably 14. Um, and our daughter, our, we actually have a 14, almost 15-year-old, always asks me, like, who's, who's the parent in this situation? But, uh, but I definitely uh, feel like it came on quick and it came on fast and here we are maybe unwarranted or unwanted yeah but i mean i do live knowing that i'm not as old as quinn so <laughs> i have that every year to know i i'm not i i can i believe that brings yeah. you some some level of uh, comfort yes it does <laughs> uh, all right well what we want to talk about really is we're going to give you guys a short overview of what we plan to do and really this came as almost a mission as you will because it's something that everybody faces right and I want to talk about realistically what is the term of the midlife crisis and so uh, yeah, as a kid or before you hit this age you really sit there and you hear people talk about midlife crises you see it in a movie or whatever and the thought crosses your mind like that's never going to be me. I, I, don't, I don't see myself playing into that. Well, I remember when my dad turned 40, we had a birthday party for him and we rented a wheelchair. Like, you know, just thinking like, ooh, it, it's all downhill from there. And uh, now that we're there, I feel like let, let's turn that narrative around and look at it differently because I feel like, for a lot of people, you're you're hitting that stride in your life. You've had your kids if you've decided to have kids and, you know, you've established um, your career and hopefully you've worked out a lot of those kinks in your marriages and you're settling in. So uh, it's definitely you can change that around from having the midlife crisis and live some of the best life, best years of your life. So That's interesting you say that because, you know, People look back and say, oh, it's your 20s or whatever, it's your 30s. So let's be honest. Your 20s, you're broke for the most part. Broke. broke. We're talking like broke, like going to our kids' piggy bank so no. I can get a debt. No. No, that was our 30s. Oh, that was recession. 30s. Ooh, yeah, that was recession. I feel, <laughs> like I was, recession. I feel like I was doing that in our 20s, but you 
we're in your 30s. Yes. You, I mean, you are ah, old, old man winner. Old man winner here. <laughs> yes. So the interesting thing is people look at your 20s and 30s and say, oh, man, you may have felt a little bit better. But realistically, time, for example, which is probably the greatest currency you had the least of or the most of, I should say. But money-wise, you had nothing. Your kids may have been little. They weren't older. It was a whole different set of things. Whereas when you get into your 40s, all of a sudden you're a little, you're much more established in your career. You're much more comfortable. For the most part, you're able to dictate your own schedule to a high degree. Your kids have gotten to the point where you're no longer changing dirty diapers. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Yet, yet there you are, right? And and it's something that that we all we all face. So. Well, and I was going to say for, for being um, a mom, I mean, a little backstory on us. We have three kids, our oldest, uh, they're about ready to all change age, but oldest turning 15. So we have hit that straight up having a teenage daughter. Whew. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, our middle is going to be turning 12 and our little guy is nine. So um, I definitely feel like there was a lot of years where, you know, and I know that a lot of um, moms and parents relate that you're putting your head down. You love every ounce of having your kids, but there is a part you're like, I'm never going to go to the bathroom by myself again. Like it's never going to happen. It's called locking the door, Megan. Well, yeah, but there's like little hands coming through and, you know, mom, you know, I need you or whatever. But then you wake up and I, I know I did was I woke up and my baby was in school full time and that was for me, I think kind of that wake up of, whoa, okay. Like life has changed. Like forever you feel like you're in this perpetual, like a uh, groundhog day. And then you wake up and I mean, your kids still need you, but they need you in a whole different facet. So you kind of change in a, a way, kind of your outlook on your life. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I know you woke up and you're like, I'm going to get in the car, drive to work. No, just kidding. Yeah, Quinn is a very active dad. So he is, uh, he definitely, when the kids were little, um, I do feel bad because our oldest was a crier between. Well, why don't you tell them what you were doing? Oh, so um, when our kids were little, I'm a personal trainer and I've always worked kind of opposite hours of Quinn. We always kind of made it. Made it work, so we had a parent at home. We call it high-fiving in the hallway. Yeah, we did. We high-fived, and we head out because we were like, okay, our mission is to raise these little humans. And so Quinn, with our oldest, though, he she would be a joy all day, and then 5 o'clock would roll around, and something would ignite in her, and she would cry for about till 8 o'clock. And that was Quinn's... Uh, that, that's when he tapped in, and so I feel like... <laughs> He had the heavy lifting with that one. Well, the beauty of it was, thank goodness for Grateful Dead bootlegs, because I would just put on a bootleg and take her for a walk around the neighborhood when we lived in Vegas for like Yeah, and hours. people would be like, I saw your husband out walking, and your daughter was crying. I'm like, oh, don't worry. She was okay. She was in a safe place. <laughs> but I'm like, Dad just had to listen to a little bit of Grateful Dead to, to get through the evening. So, so I, I guess the point being, and I'm not saying you don't have the grind once you get a little bit older. But a huge point to what we want to talk about is there comes a point where you almost have a pre-described grind. Like that grind is happening whether you like it or not. You know, your kids are little, your career, your building, and that, that grind is real. And what really, I think, creates the onset of the 
proverbial midlife crisis, if you will, has more to do with all of a sudden that grind changing dramatically. Like you said, like our youngest going to school and you saying, all right, so what do I do now? Yeah, and I remember exactly where we were at. Like Quinn and I went to a movie and we came out walking out and I was like, I don't know who I am, you know, kind of deal. Like, I mean, there's been stages of Megan and I, I will tell you, I was downright scared to death. Because I'd been in, you know, I'm still a mom. I'm always a mom first, but like kind of looking at that. And I know I have friends that don't have kids. They go through the same thing. That's like the midlife crisis isn't set up just for, for those that have kids or that it's, I think you hit a point in your life where you feel like you're going to be young forever. And then I, most of us remember your parents turning that age. I don't. Yeah, you were basically born when your dad was 40. So, (laughs) yeah. But um, I think you look at it, and I think it's one of those big moving into your 40s and 50s. But we know some amazing people that have just absolutely um, shown that, what? I think the kids would say slay it. Slay it. Yeah, and so that that really looking at this podcast, we want to go and dive in more during this episode, but... Um, We also want to bring forward in in an audience, you guys, or a dialogue where you guys can walk away and say, you know, like these are people, they're doing amazing things. So we will be bringing guests on this show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what really sparked this idea was exactly what Megan just said is there's a lot of really cool people out there doing really cool things that you've never heard of. Or people that have, you know, in a lot of ways, given themselves permission for sure to do incredible things into their 40s, 50s, and, and 60s and 70s. Um, I just like with like, you know, you talked about really for you it being a change dramatically, you know, the shift hitting with the kids. I think as a man, the difference is a man who a man who has a who has a <laughs> library of rich mahogany and rich leather, mahogany leather bound books and all sorts of is things. Is that why you grew the beard? That is why I grew. Okay, the beard. I grew the beard because I'm bald and I can't grow the hair on. Yeah, top, so it is an impressive beard. Well, you guys can't see it, but it is impressive. And it's to intimidate my daughter suitors. And it's working because they're like all the boys are afraid of Quinn. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got that going for us. Um, so anyway, it, as Megan mentioned, it's slightly different for a woman. You know, you go through whether you raised your kids or wh- if you didn't have kids and you went through a career, you get to a point where as a man, you sit there and say, OK, I'm turning 40. Um, where should I be? And am I there? Right. And I think um, for a lot of a lot of men, I mean, I've never been a man. But I'm just observing going through it is I think there's a lot of comparison. And um, in that, especially when you're hitting 40s, um, I think a lot of times people are not where they thought they would be or um, it's a different path. And I I think that's a big thing that we want to dive into is not comparing. Like you stay in your lane, man. Like look at it and see that like just because someone else is in a different like path, different situation, it doesn't mean that you're going to hit your 40s and 50s and not be successful. And what's that measurement of success? Absolutely. You know, success, I think, can be based off of so many things. And I think you made an excellent point there by saying it really comes down to what is it that you want? 
For sure. And I think that a lot of time in a worldly sense, people are like, oh, okay, you got to be making this dollar amount and all of this by the time you're this age. Well, you could be there, but you could be gone 85, 90% of the time. And your kids are like, hey, dude, like, who's this guy that lives in my house? And not saying there, there's no judgment there, but it's like, if that's, or is your level of measurement of like, Hey, yeah, I got to play the bills. I want to have flexibility, but I also want to have this relationship with my kids or with my spouse or the person I'm dating and to feel like you're present. And so I think a lot of it is stay in your lane and to look at it of not, not comparing just because, and I think that's for men and women. I think women, you look at it and you're like, well, this lady is doing all this stuff with their kids and all of this. And I'm not that person. And for men, it's like, I'm not there in my career. And I think it's finding your lane. That's the most important thing that I think you can do in your forties and fifties is find your lane. Well, you know, for myself, I felt like, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of you out there that have no, no idea who I am. But I try and I do. I know you do. Right? <laughs> I really hope. I hope so, from a biblical sense, of course. Well, yes, yes. But I mean, just side note to that, because people, Quinn and I got. I was young yes. when we got married, and people were like, "Did you? How did you know? You know, that's that's the big thing." And uh, Quinn and I went backpacking through South America when we were we were young. We were dating. I think the kids would call it courting. Courting. He came a courting. And um, and so I always tell people when they're like, well, did you feel like, you know, you didn't know each other? I'm like, Quinn saw me with hairy legs and hairy armpits backpacking. And then I was like, I think he can handle most things after that. Let's just say I'm glad that phase is over. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> Hippie Megan's over. <laughs> it had to do with lack of showers, okay? Yeah, we're, lack we're of showers. Don't judge. Yeah. I can see your judgy yeah, eyes out yeah, there. Not yeah, yours. Yeah. But, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, really for myself, I was uh, coming down on turning 39. I wasn't, you know, just as we discussed career-wise, you know, I think there was a lot of judgment and a lot of, you know, hey, I'm, I'm not necessarily where I want to be. And, you know, I had heard about the midlife crisis. You know, obviously everybody had talked about it. But for me, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm on a men's league hockey team. I'm playing in a band. I'm Which sidebar to that? I loaded the little kids to go see Quinn play hockey and he spent the whole entire hour in the penalty box. So that was his men's league, men's league hockey. I just feel like it was more of an aggression get out from his job. It was therapy. <laughs> it was therapy. Yeah. I just told him, I'm like, if I load the kids up one more time and you sit in that little box and feel shame the whole time, I I'm out. I can't help it if I was being picked on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure you were the one picking <laughs> So anyway, I digress, right? Yeah, you're so I always assumed that it was something that I would never experience, something that I would never go through. And I can clearly remember one morning I was putting in my contacts and I was putting in my left contact, my right. I was so tired. I was a little out of shape. And I remember just staring in the mirror going, oh my gosh. And this was about... I was 39. 39, yeah. yeah. Almost 40. And I just said, oh my gosh. This is the rest of my life. Yeah, and I remember you came home and you were like, I'm on a hamster wheel, like just doing the same thing day in and day out. And it wasn't that, okay, so I want to preface this, and I'm not just saying this because my wife is in the room with me. I'm nervous. You should be. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm nervous. No, but the, 
the point that I want to bring up was I had no desire to, I was perfectly in love and in a great marriage. Okay. Oh, tender. Right. Yeah. For cute. All the girls are yeah. like, woo. Yes. Yeah. So I was in a great marriage. Everything was perfect. Like in that regard, obviously, you know, not perfect, but as good as it is, you know, going through phases. Uh, I think you were saying magical being married magical, to me. Yes. <laughs> well, and then I, and then with the kids, I really enjoy and still do. I shouldn't say enjoyed, but I really love being a dad and I love spending time with my kids and I love having that aspect of it. So it wasn't that that was unfulfilled by any means. It was more probably the Groundhog Day effect. Well, yeah, it was the Groundhog Day effect. And it was, I think, coming down to like, who am I? Right. And who are you? Who are you? <laughs> and so, you know, Megan mentioned like her feeling of sitting outside the movie theater and tears going like, who am I? Like my kids are in school. I went through a moment of like, oh, my gosh, if this is the rest of my life, like this is not cool. This isn't you know, I, I didn't think things would get miserable. So first thing first, I'm a realist. Yes, that too. Thank you, hip hop. Megan. <laughs> so first thing first, though is I think it's incredibly important for everybody who's listening today to know that what you're feeling is 100% normal and 100% justified. Get it? Like, it's justified. Yeah. Well, and I think looking at it, if, uh, everybody's going to feel a little bit differently because I think that it's it's definitely from everything that we've talked to. Um, we've had this dream of starting this podcast for quite a while. Um, it took a little bit longer than... We well, had planned. Let's give a little history. A little history. A little history on this. Oh, we're doing a so, lesson. Yeah. Back before my left knee was bothering me. Yes. Yeah. I was out for a yog. With a soft J. Yeah, up in the mountains. Yeah. I was out yogging. And I was like thinking about turning 40 and kind of going through this whole hamster wheel contact putting in situation of this breakdown. And I was like, you know what? And I was starting to talk to people. And it's one of those things, obviously, you hear about, but there's no guidebook for. You have no idea how to handle it. And everybody, just like most things, just sweeps the emotions under the rug and says, well, this is life. This is miserable. So let's move on with it, right? So I was out running. And I was like, you know what? I'd really like to start writing and talking about this. Or maybe write a book, in which I probably still will. But I really wanted to do something where I felt like I could get out what I was feeling and then hopefully have other people have it help other people. And I was like, well, what, what can I do? Well, that's, what's kind of funny? What's, uh, what's irreverent? What's funny? And I was like, oh, well, everybody talks about the F word, if you will, being taboo. Yeah. I don't have a beep yet on our soundboard or we could beep you out but uh (laughs) anyway it's it's something that's totally taboo that people don't want to talk about right or like you know you say you drop the f word in a group of people a little shock and awe if you will and i think the same thing happens with like your midlife crisis you know of turning 40 if you will of it being this a bit of a shock and awe and a bit of something people don't want to talk about well and i hear constantly uh from people that i work with Oh my gosh, I didn't think you were that old. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, let's step that back down a little bit. Like, yeah, I think it, own it. Yeah, yeah. So what I want to, once again, I want to just mention what you feel is 100% normal. So what you're going through, what you're experiencing, that's not that you're a bad husband, a bad wife, uh, a bad father, 
um, a bad employee, if you will, or just a miserable person, right? Because I think it's perfectly good to self-evaluate. And I think turning 40 shoves you into um, self-evaluation. So with that being said, I'd like to refer to more of your midlife crisis as your F word moment. Like, kind of like, oh, F. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where people, it's like you're 40 when you turn 40. It's usually um, a huge milestone. People have either a big party, they go on a trip, um, that... They just want to be alone. They Yeah. Like Quinn, when he turned 40, I was like, we're going to have this big party. And we got closer and he was like very solemn. And he was like, I, I need to just be by myself. I mean, we went to Mexico, yeah. but um, yeah. But I mean, I, Wait, I, what? Do we need an excuse to go to Mexico? Yeah. Never an excuse. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, um, actually have a client, um, where I work as a personal trainer and she's turning 50 and it has been so incredibly awesome to watch her journey because, um, she has worked on herself, just being the best self, getting the best fitness goals out there, um, best shape of her life. And it is so inspiring to look at it being like, dude, she's justifying the F word right there and your fifties. Because I think a lot of times people are like, I'm 40, this is the best it's going to be. And I think obviously you're not going to be an 18 year old. Like, I mean, come on, who wants to do that? Like, (laughs) but I think looking at it saying, okay, how can I, how can I be the best me at in my forties and fifties. And that I think is going to be individual for each and every person out there. Absolutely. So I want to, you know, okay, let me rephrase this. Okay. I want to talk about some steps, 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 step by step. Did you get your steps in today? Oh baby. No. No. Step by step one way. Oh yeah. Paul Abdul. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Opposites attract. Yeah. yeah. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about some steps. And some of these themes that we're going to be discussing are going to be themes that are brought up over and over because I think they're incredibly important. And they're, they really are derived from conversations that both Megan and I have had with different people. And um, we are a connoisseur of people. Yeah. Connoisseur. Not cannibals. Connoisseur. <laughs> Not cannibals. Yeah. That's weird. That got weird. That got weird. We did go to Fiji. Yeah. There are still some cannibals yeah. there. But, yeah. Uh, but the point is, is in having these conversations with people, people we've met traveling, people that we've met in our circle of friends, everybody has said, hey, this is a good idea. Like, hey, that that's great advice. And so um, really part of our mission of doing this is, and the reason why we're, we'll be touching on these steps again is, there are things that we have found that have worked for us. There are things that within our intermediate circle of friends ha- have worked for them too. And so uh, with no further ado, I'm going to let Megan kick off the first one. Um, the first one is um, being unapologetically yourself. And this came about was actually the year that I turned 40. Um making a new year's resolution at my work, we posted our new year's resolution up where everybody could see. And I think everybody, when it comes around like January, you're like, Oh, I want to eat perfect. And I'm never going to miss a day at the gym. And you know, I'm going to do all of this. And, and then it hits and life hits and whatever it may be. It's, it's, 
it's by February, it's like that, that goal is long gone. And I can say that in 2020, the year that I turned 40, um, it is the first time in my life I've hit that goal of being unapologetically myself. Um, and I think, so yes. What do you mean by being unapologetically yourself? I think, well, And, and why is it important? Okay. Well, first it means to look at it in, and I think a lot of times that we go about your life trying to fit into a mold that everybody tells you to fit into. I would say that also comes down to when you get to a certain age, you assume that you should only like certain things, do certain things. For sure. Like, like for me, my, our daughter, um, our, our oldest, um, fun fact about me is I love teenage drama stuff and vampires. I know you're going to laugh and it's cheesy as I'll get out, but I own that shiz. Like I own it. Like it is who I am and I'm proud about it. But before I would never announce that. So it's like one of those of someone not saying you're too old to love vampire diaries. I'm like, I love it. I watched it two times through. And I think instead of, I mean, and that's just like a simple example, but just looking at it and being like, yeah, I need to not be a jerk, but I also need to look at what it is that like I truly like and live that. And don't let people leave a blueprint for what you should do for your life. I mean, you need to do stuff like work and put food on your table and, do that. But I think there's just a whole world out there and we are born to be individuals. And I think after time we're like, okay, I got to, I got to do a, and then B and that's going to equal C. And I think sometimes that's why the midlife crisis happens because a plus B might not equal C. Well, do you like what I did? <laughs> check this out. This you is, love math problems. No, this is really <laughs> cool. This is really good. I just thought of this. Okay. okay. Let's hear it. A plus B may not make you happy. Oh, oh, but on boom. Yeah. That's the sound effect. I do have that sound effect, but I have no idea. How to yeah. Get well, to you it. know what? We're new at this. So, and I think part of like, honestly, this podcast, I will, I will be honest, like it is scary to do it, but it's something that we've talked about. And it's instead of talking about this hypothetical, like we should do that. Um, Quinn and I, if you know us outside of the podcast, we love talking to people, getting to know them, how they tick and all of that. And I feel like it is a gift that both of us have, like just to, to talk. We're very socially antisocial though. Like if you get us at home, we're quiet, but, um, but I think this is part of it is being unapologetic, unapologetically ourself of saying, Hey, we're giving ourselves permission. Okay. So I do think you need to expound on the fact that being an apologetically yourself, meaning like you are being authentic to who you are. Yeah. Okay? It doesn't. Wait, it, oh, oh, sorry. Don't cut me off. I cut him off. Stay in your lane. <laughs> I'm in my lane. <laughs> no, but the point that I mean is it also doesn't mean that you're taking out all resistance or you're taking out all things that are difficult or that you don't want to deal with. Right. Because I think there is a point of, obviously, you have responsibilities, you have social norms, all of that. But I think there is a high degree of what I mean by, or what I think you're saying about being unapologetically yourself. You're saying like, okay, these things no longer made me happy, and I just did them because, right? Mm -hmm. 
I think there is, I like to say, you know, I, I, I refer to those things as empty calories. So I feel like there's a lot of em- empty calories that maybe as an adult, and I think this is one of the huge things that kicks off the midlife crisis, is I think we stop being real and authentic to ourselves. And we start trying to live this pre-described way of life that we think is right. And then that ends up causing us to wake up one day and go, who am I? What? Yeah, what I and I, I think that you're letting others, and we're not giving permission to like go to everyone and be like, you're done, you're done, you know, that, because they're, they're, you got you to gotta play this social game as well. But I think a lot of it is just giving your permission to not look at it and say, Ooh, what would people think? And, and this, and that's just being like honest where, you know, um, I, for example, I years, a few years ago, I was super into trail running. I love it. I'm a little broken right now, but I'm going to set a goal to get back to that. But, um, I remember the, you know, you, I just had mom hate coming after me because, I love to take pictures being out there is my passion. I wanted to share it. And part of it would just be like, um, you know, I, I'm a, I, you know, I would go trail run, but I'm a good mom or I'm this and I'm that. And so I think, well, lo- why don't you hold on a second? Yeah. Why don't you just say what some, some of the comments that were said to you? Yeah, it, it was just, yeah. Like I'm a good mom or I don't know what comments that were said to you, not how you felt. Uh, Oh, no, no, no. They said, I would trail run, but I am a good mom. Mm. Implying that you were a bad mom. Yeah, and, and just stuff. And, and here's the deal. I get where they're they're coming from, but from... Or I would do that, but... I would do that, but yeah, that, that's true. And so I think a lot of it would be, I didn't want to play the game going back, but there was a few times I would just respond back and I would say, 5 a.m., baby. Like, you know, where that for me was not taking time away from my responsibilities, but I found a way where maybe it made other people, I wouldn't say uncomfortable, but they're like, I can't fathom how this is happening and still being a mom and doing all of that. And so I think it's finding, um, being unapologetic and finding what it is doesn't mean abandon your, um, responsibilities that you have in your life but it's also weighing out like like Quinn said how many calories are you burning on things that are not bringing um, positivity into your life and surround yourself with those people that are going to um, to build that like they are going to take you for being unapologetically yourself because once you find that true self like I feel it's just invigorating like you just feel like almost that rebirth of being like this is who I am and I'm confident and I feel like entering my 40s because of that goal um I I feel like I'm more confident than I was at 20 like but part of it would have to be where I'll share the embarrassing facts about myself like not that I need to but I own it like I said I get teased by a lot of people about my love of vampires and stuff but that is being unapologetically me that's me that's make me Make me tick. She bites me. I mean, <laughs> no. no. No, she doesn't. Not that weird. She started shop. Don't don't you go to Hot Topic? I do not go to Hot Topic. <laughs> I do not. Yeah, but no. So Well, and and I think part of that um as far as 
being unapologetically yourself. I think a heavy degree of that statement is not not to look at it as it's an overnight. This is just who Oh I am. no, it, it's a process and I think in that process you learn to love yourself. And I know as cheesy as that sounds, it's you know, and I think a lot of people listening and out there, um, I think there's a lot of times they can stop and really, you know, ask yourself, do you love yourself? Like, and if not, like part of you is every part of that. And don't, don't put it in a corner and hide it because you're worried of, you know, it might make someone feel slightly uncomfortable. Um, and that, because if it's something that you're passionate about, that's you. That is who you are, and I think embrace that, and you'll learn to, like I said, as cheesy as it sounds, love yourself more mm. and be, be, be okay with who you are and be proud of that. I love that, and I don't think you need to justify. Justify. You see I, I, what we did yeah. there? Like the name of it? We're yeah. bringing it full well, circle, baby, full well, circle. You know, I think part of justifying the F word is not – having to justify what you're doing to everyone else around you. And I know that's one big lesson I learned to myself is not having to explain, rather, mm. rather do. Yeah, and I think um, that's a great point is I think there's a lot of times in life you're invited to certain things or you feel like you need to give this big excuse. And um, I think one thing about being unapologetically yourself is when you walk out of a situation – um, you know, there are social requirements and that like family work, stuff like that. But when you walk away, how does it make you feel like, are, are you being uplifted? Are you spending your time on something that you're walking away and not feeling uplifted or that do you walk away feeling worse about yourself? Like, oh, I'm a loser. I, you know, I don't make enough money or I don't, you know, whatever. And maybe that's a you problem, but maybe it's. It's what you're surrounding yourself with. Well, that leads to a fantastic segue. If we had a sponsor, this is where we'd put the commercial in. Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So just imagine it. Just imagine it. Close your close eyes. Close your eyes and you could say, this is coming from Quinn's music room <laughs> where he gets to put up his rugs and his hippie I know. He has like our, our oldest always says, dad has a really big hippie room. And I'm like, you should have known him in college. <laughs> he was a dirty dirty hippie but it's the coolest room in the house okay enough with our sponsorship of. Uh, that's because he can feel like he i mean we have a spinal tap picture up this says 11 11 still sustaining we got a uh american flag yeah we've got America. A, a gibson guitar painting that is actually different signatures of famous guitar players and then we have multiple tapestries from south america that are yeah. hand woven yeah is that right okay yeah Anyway, right, commercial. So, so moving, commercial's over. Okay, so you mentioned you. Okay, sorry, I'm going to adjust my microphone a little bit. So you mentioned you. Um, I will say probably the uh, quintessential. Ooh, get it? That's a play on word. Quinn, quintessential. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say C Quinn. Yeah. No, because yeah. we're not talking about shiny discs. We're yeah. talking about okay. 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 So the quintessential takeaway that I first took from kind of becoming unapologetically myself and really getting comfortable and justifying my F word and going into my forties had a lot to do with this statement. And, uh, 
this is my patented trademark statement that I I I really learned kind of the hard way, but uh, it goes as follows. Let me do air quotes. So here's air the, quote. Here's air the, quote. Here's, here's the front of the quote. It is, "You take you wherever you go, and wherever you are." Mic drop. Mic drop. Right. Boom. I would drop the mic, but I yeah, guess, we're not going to drop yeah. it. But. Okay. So what that statement means is, you know, the cliche uh, midlife crisis is is the guy who decides, oh my gosh, I hit this age, I'm kind of miserable, I've got a family, kids, wife, they leave, they marry a 40, they marry a 25 year old, sorry, and they, uh, <laughs> you're like, you know, what did leave. he marry a yeah. cougar? Yeah. Like, what's happening? Go run off, get a young girlfriend, get a sports car and kind of move on with life because that's what makes you happy. Right. And it's like, okay, we're just going to change environments. And Hey, no judgment. If that's if that's what somebody did, or if that's what they decided to do, because that's what makes them happy, we're not trying to justify one way's right. No, it's there, this is a judgment free zone, totally. But the point that I want to bring across is, I think in any setting, realistically, you know, let's say someone's looking to be divorced, right? Let's say they're in a miserable marriage. That is the first thing that if I had a friend come to me and said, hey, I, I think I want to get divorced, the first thing I would tell them is you take you wherever you go, right? You're going to yeah. pack yourself up in a suitcase. You're going to pack all your shiz up, everything, all your mental head, head case. You're going to lock it up, latch it, walk out that door. And you may not think it, but when you open that suitcase up some day down the road, whatever was making you unhappy before yeah, will make you unhappy in that yeah, and situation. I think there's times where the situation, but I think that's where that whole the grass is greener on the other side, and then you get there and you're like, oh, okay, like I I'm still dealing with, you know, um, this if it if it's depression and that like that will go with you if it's something that you know you haven't reached out to get help in that or if it's something in your life that just utterly makes you unhappy. Well, I would say, too, I think it, as human beings, we blame deflection is almost a evolutionary trait because if we accept where we're at and we accept our own bag of tricks, if you will, that requires work. And uh, we we talk about this all the time because... Megan and I were not exactly what you would call stellar students. No. No. We both have BS degrees. We say that we have BS degrees and it does not stand for... Bachelor of Science. No. And we've even told our kids that. But it is the thing is, is we had to work every advantage to graduate from college. But the point that I'm trying to make with this statement is I can remember if I bombed a test, the first thing I would do would be to go around the room and find it, who else bombed it. And hopefully it would be a large majority of people because if it was a large majority of people, it was a thousand times easier to blame on someone else. It well, was, then it's, it's the teacher's fault because they didn't do this or it was the test and like, yeah. Yeah, it's just way easier to blame it on somebody else. So with that being said, a lot of how we feel, especially when you hit that F word moment, like, and you're, you're having that crisis is you automatically feel that it's because of your job. It's because of your spouse. 
It's because of the money you make it. Or your time. boss or, or your, your neighbor boss, or, or your neighbor or yeah. where you live or the car you drive or what have you. Where realistically it's, and I'm not saying always, because obviously there's, there's For sure. always exterior forces that work upon you. But what I am saying is nine times out of 10, it's internal. Yeah. And I think the thing, like we, we talk to our kids about this all the time is if you are in a hard, like a horrible situation and that, because there is a lot of times, again, we'll say it a million times. We're never here to judge or look because everything's a personal decision. And that might be the best thing, um, in that situation, but to always look and see that you always play a part even if it's a hard situation, like your reaction and, and how to things that, that is um, a part that you play in everything. So don't think that you're, you're the one on the sideline watching the game and it's happening and you're that victim is to look at it and say, okay, yeah, this is a horrible situation, but like what part of my plane and how can I make myself a better person. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be a horrible situation. No, it can be a stagnant. Yeah. And I think, um, I like Quinn and I are both big readers and we love to listen to books, read books, podcasts, all of that. We're a connoisseur. You like SOG operations and yes. I, I, yeah. No, well, that's a little, <laughs> but anyway, so when we're talking about this, a lot of you guys, it's a very popular book. Uh, David Goggins, we always talk about this, about his accountability mirror. And it's my favorite part of his book. And I think it kind of brings, ties it in is if you haven't read the book, it's not going to ruin it. But he talks in a chapter about the accountability mirror is to look at yourself in the mirror. I know it's a very uncomfortable thing to do. I've actually done it myself. And um, to look at yourself and you cannot lie. Look at yourself in your eyes, just you against you and that accountability and um, have that honest conversation with yourself. Like, mm. and, you know, if you feel weird, like your spouse or your kid are going to see you, make sure that you're by yourself, you know? Um, but that accountability mirror and be honest. And I think you're going to realize like, okay, all these things that I'm, I'm feeling or whatever, what, what, what can you do to, uh, to make yourself better? Like what makes you tick? So with that being said, being that, you know, I think the first step of, addressing your midlife crisis is realizing that you take you no matter where you go. Okay. Wherever, where you go. Okay. So step one, cut a hole in the box. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cut a hole in the box. Okay. So yeah. anyway, step one really comes down to, are you the best version of yourself? So kind of like in that accountability mirror, find your flaws, right? Look at it and say, okay, am I the best version of, of myself. And if your answer is no, before you make any life-changing decisions, whether that be changing a job, whether that be um, deciding, I don't know, you're going to go to India for a spiritual quest, whatever. Like, I've heard there's good food. I love Indian food. I know that's why I said there's good food. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so you have to be the best version of yourself. And I really want to break that down in the four categories. So first off, you know, for Megan and I, fitness is a huge component. We've always been um, very fit. And Megan was an incredible soccer player and is an incredible runner. Um, I myself, I'm a hockey player, although I'm retired. Yeah, but 
Yeah, he was a collegiate hockey player. He will hide that one, and he's blushing right now if you could see him. So anyway, hockey, I love to run, although I can't run anymore because my knee bothers me. But I love to ski, love the snowboard, love mountain biking, road biking. um, And I go to the gym every morning no matter what at 5 a.m. And so first off, especially for me, when I hit that moment was I realized that I was not in my – I loved physicality. And when I had my moment in the mirror, if you will, putting in my contacts and kind of having that breakdown, it was like, I love being fit and I am not fit. And so, but I, and, and, and with that being said, I wasn't massively overweight. It wasn't anything like that, but the degree of fitness where I felt comfortable, I wasn't there. Well, and I, I mean, to back that up, I remember having this conversation with Quinn of him just being like, I just, I don't love where I'm at. And, um, I remember there was a little bit of me being like, well, how, how are we going to change this? Cause we're always the kind of deal like Quinn and I, because we had to like kick our way through school was we found like everything, like sit down, we got to make a plan. How are we going to do this? You know? And it was one that, um, you know, this is not picking on Quinn because I've had my ups and downs and in uh, fitness and my physical journey as well. But um, I remember he's like, well, lunch time would be hard because I take clients and then after work, I don't know, but then, you know, and all this. And I was like, well, there's the early morning. And I remember him being like, you know, kind of like, but, 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 but then as soon, like the thing for Quinn that clicked for him was to be like, I get to get up at five and go to the gym. And it it was definitely like a mental, like watching a whole mental shift of like, this is what I want to do. I want to be the best me. I don't have to. Yeah, you get get. to. And so that is one thing like he is like regimented where he'll have like all of his shoes, his like everything. He leaves no excuse besides the fact of getting out of bed. Like he has everything, like all of his, you know, his BCAs out. He has everything like ready to go. If you're going to say BCAs, you got to say bro. Bro. Afterwards. Yeah. And so um, for him, it was a shift. And it's been kind of the thing where um, Quinn is putting on a lot of muscle. And I feel like it's, it's you know, a huge fan. Huge fan over here. But um, also, it's kind of funny because now we have teenage daughters, so I think it's they correlate. But um, people all the time come up to Quinn and they're like, dude, what are you doing? And I love Quinn's mind shift. His answer is 5 a.m. Every day. Every day. Like, And it's not like, okay, here's my whole plan. It's 5 a.m. Consistency. Yeah. Resistance. And not saying that 5 a.m. needs to be your thing, but it was – you know, sitting down and like, and figuring out. And I, I have a lot of uh, clients that I work with. They'll be like, but, 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 but. And I, what's the butt in your life? Not your, your butt, but it's booty gains. It's yeah, spots. no, but is ask yourself, like, what's your favorite show on Netflix? If you have that favorite show and that not saying there's anything wrong. I love TV. I love it. But it's one of those that if you are sitting there saying, I don't have time and you have a favorite show, it is not a time issue. It is a... You. A you. Like, I mean, really, it's you making that decision of, I want to be the best me, and I'm going to find a way around it. Mm. Because a lot of people will spend time, like an hour or more a day, looking at social media, which can be really uplifting, but that is time that you 
can work on you. Like my, uh, my social media handle, um, when I was kind of figuring it out, it's uh, fit mom therapy. And it was because I tell moms this all the time. If you go to the gym and, and dads too, this isn't just women. If you have a day where you're like, I am beat up, I'm tired, I'm overly stressed at work, I'm stressed out about my teenagers, whatever it may be, that hour is your selfish hour. That is 100% you. If you go and walk on the treadmill and listen to a podcast, I mean, maybe this one. Maybe justifying. Yes, but or whatever it may be, it's something that is 100% your selfish hour that you have. And making that decision of it's a shift of what are you going to do to make that happen? And it's, it's a desire. So, I and there are days, I mean, don't, don't think we don't want to get on this platitude of like, you can fit in. Cause there's days Quinn will get up at like four o'clock and he's driving who knows where in the middle of nowhere for work. And he gets home at 10 o'clock at night and he's worked all day and that. So there are days for sure. But I think in the most part, it's like, be honest with yourself. Well, and I think too, um, like I said, when it's talking about being the best you and you taking you no matter where you go, I think it's important to look at it on all of these steps is any degree of increase, meaning any step forward is positive. For sure. And that's when I think along those lines is like Quinn said, um, I love to run. Um, I've done multiple marathons. I've done one ultra marathon. That was a mind shift for me was, and we talk about this all the time and we'll go into more detail, but, um, if you run a hundred miles, a hundred miles, you're a runner. If you run around the block, you're a runner. Like it doesn't matter the speed. And I think it's like, don't look at like stay in your lane. Like we talked about. So if that means mentally, or that means, uh, physically, you, let's say you're way out of shape and you just want to walk. That's fantastic, right? Anything's great. Or if you decide that I'm just going to go sit on an exercise bike, good on you. But what I mean by this is I think first and foremost, physicality gives you the mental headspace to move to the next round. So if you get into the next section that I want to talk about, so we talked about becoming the best version of your stuff, self step one, you know, physically number two would be emotionally. And I think emotionally that, that, that covers a huge gamut of, of things. But first and foremost, not saying that you have to deal with every issue in your entire life, but I think the first question that you need to ask yourself is, what makes you happy? And if that is spending time with my kids, if that is reading, if that is um, watching the sunrise, then ask yourself, am I doing those things? Because I think emotionally that's a long journey. You know, yeah. there's, there's quite a few things that can be dialed into Well, and that. I, and I feel like it's a, it, it, there's an ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. There is like, I mean, you're, you're going to, it, it's not like you're just going to hit a point and then you plateau out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might, but it's definitely going to climb, maybe come back down, up and down. But because honestly, your crisis could be a hundred percent. And the thing about these four things that I'm going to talk about is like, uh, you know, they all compound on each other, meaning um, you can't have one without the other. Uh, so if you're talking about, you know, being physical and getting out there and exercising, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to start to feel better emotionally. 
I mean, that's just, that's going to click. Now, emotionally, that can also move into... When you exercise, it gives you endorphins, and endorphins makes you happy, and happy people don't kill their husbands. Yes, thank you, Legally Blonde. Yes, yes. I'm glad that you got my... <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, emotionally, too, I mean, that can be your relationships. Are you are you present with your children? Are you present with your spouse? Do you and your spouse still date each other? Do you guys still, like, or are you coexisting? Is everybody coexisting in the same house? And a big thing that we talk about a lot is at home is being present. Are we present with each other? Are we spending time, are Megan and I going on dates? Or are we spending time with our kids doing fun stuff with our kids? Or just being there with our kids so they know we're there, okay? So the first one's physicality or being phys- being the best version of yourself physically. The second is emotionally and the next one I want to talk about is mentally, right? And emotions and mental and mentally really kind of play into the same lane, but they're different. Meaning that like, for example, you can be bored and that's that's an emotion, but that doesn't necessarily coincide with with your mental health. Yeah. And I think a big portion of you taking you wherever you go, and I'm not saying everybody has an issue. But I think it's critically important to understand where you are in your own headspace. Yeah, and I I think surrounding people around you that support and get you. Mm-hmm. I think that that's huge. I mean, there I don't know where it comes from. I I can't quote it, but you are the five people that you keep around you. I believe Tim Ferriss. Is that Tim Ferriss? Yeah. Okay, I was like, yeah. I don't know who. <laughs> but anyway, um, there you go, Timmy Tim. But, um, yeah, and I think finding that and then looking, giving yourself permission because um, I'm a huge proponent that, like, everybody, I tell my kids this all the time, everybody has something going on in their headspace. That, like, don't look at someone and be like, they have the perfect life because I think we've all been there and I think mentally, like, if you need that help, give yourself that permission. Go back to being unapologetically yourself. If that is going and um, going uh, and getting counseling and that, like wherever it is, but just so mentally you're in the, the right headspace and then also surrounding yourself with people that support that, get that, and they're going to build you up. Like, again, where are you leaving situations? Do you feel worse about yourself? Well, if you feel worse about yourself mentally, that's not going to put you in a good place. So find those people that, you know, they're, they're your hype squad, you know, that you're going to walk away being like, okay, yeah, like I'm going to have my bad days, but I have these people and that's huge. The last point I want to touch on. So we've talked about being the best version of yourself physically, emotionally, and mentally. And these can all be episodes in and of themselves. The last one I want to touch on is spiritually. Okay. So I believe that everybody has a component in their soul that needs filled. And I don't, necessarily mean that from a judeo-christian standpoint either whether if that is how you fill that section of your soul fantastic more power to you or if you're completely agnostic and you find some other fulfillment i think good on you that's awesome but i think there is a point of us that needs to be spiritual and whether that spiritual is meditation and 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 just shutting off the entire outside world to calmness, or whether that spirituality means you attend a uh, ecclesiastical service of one or another, I think having some sort of spirituality where you have a moment of reflection, quiet, solitude, and peace is also critical for our soul. I think that's the reason why every culture 
all the way through the dawn of time has had a deity attached to it. Or that is why people have relied or have, have been drawn toward religion in general. And, or whether that be uh, people master yoga through meditation or what, what have you. I thought you said master Yoda for master. a second. And well, I was like, well, Yoda, him too. Yeah, him pretty, too. I mean, he's he got has some pretty good. Uh, do or do not. I can't do the voice. Do or do not. There's no chart. <laughs> he's a Star Wars so, nerd. Anyway, old school. Old, old school. Yeah. He says the kids nowadays, it's too yeah. easy. Or you would never have seen any of us running around with like a Padawan braid. Come on. Who throws Oh, a I shit? don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying. But yeah, I think, uh, just to echo Quinn, I think um, not to be confused with like religion. And I think if that is your jam, awesome. Um, but just having something that, um, like Quinn said, is to self-reflect, have something that you're working towards. Maybe it's like you're going to go feel closer to other people and to whatever. Something uh, that brings you peace. Yeah, like something in your life where it's not always about you, mm. you know, cause it's, I mean, granted we talk about being the best you, but I think it's also, you, you need to have skin in the game. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta have something and whatever that is, because I think we want to help other people. We're that way. Like it's why people aren't just made to be by themselves. It's to be with others. And however you're going to feel that where you're going to have that inner peace, I think that's going to help all the way across the board um, with you, you know, at times I think not feeling alone, it's going to help mentally, emotionally and, um, all of that. So, well, and I think a great point, you know, when we started this podcast, we started talking about hitting a midlife crisis and being like, well, I don't have this guy's car or I don't have this guy's house or this guy's job or that family looks happier than, than ours or their kids seem so much better off or what have you. I think to the converse or adverse, I think is what I want to say to that. <laughs> think is, that one through. <laughs> is, uh, is there's also a lot of things that you have in your life. And I think when you reach outside of yourself and help others, which is, I think, a component of spirituality, I think you start to see, wow, I've got a lot of things going on that are great in my life. And so another portion that I also want to bring up is don't b burn the whole ship down. Meaning no, that, this is this is by might, no mean the... You might be sitting here going like, I can't believe how miserable my life is. And your neighbor next door might be going, if I could only have your life. Yeah, and how many times like... um I've met so many people where you've looked at them being like, man, their life is so put together and, um, and then kind of getting to know them and be like, Oh, like my heart goes out, you know? Cause I think a lot of times there are things that we don't know. And I think it's, you know, bringing it down to that level of, um, just be nice, like be nice and kind to people and realize that like, like I said, unless people are doing certain things to, uh, break the law. I think there's a list of things, but look at it and be like, how can we support other people? Because them, how they're going to justify the F word and move into those ages of your forties and fifties is going to be different than yours. And look at it instead of being like, Oh, that's so weird. I can't believe they're doing that or whatever. Just be like, Hey, that's not, not my bag of tricks, but you know what? Good on them. Good on them for, you know, finding, finding what makes them tick. So just to recap, remember, 
when you hit, if you, if you're going through it or you've already hit it or you're reflecting back on it or you're nowhere near it, when you're looking at your midlife crisis, just remember, first and foremost, you take you wherever you go, no matter where you go or no matter how you go. And then secondly, when you're packing that bag, right, whether that means a job change or whatever, get yourself in the most physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual nirvana that you've ever been in. Like, get yourself 100% there. And when you start to make those changes, that is the kind of thing that light bulbs start going on. And they start taking you into directions that maybe you've never been before, opening up pathways to happiness that you didn't think you would ever sense or know. Or just bring you the fulfillment that you are you've been searching for, or that's I shouldn't say searching for, but that you've lacked that have that have that have brought you to this place. So, kind of in conclusion, we're running right at about an hour, and and uh, hopefully made it this long. Hopefully made it. <laughs> our ram, actually, our I'm, ramblings of Quinn and Megan. I'm actually impressed. I know. We, well, anyone that knows us, they're like. You guys go on a road trip and you can talk the whole time. And th- this is um, honestly, uh, we want to make this as authentic as we are like in our marriage. Like we like to talk. We like to talk with people about di- anything, anything and everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And also, so kind of in conclusion, I want to I wanna propose this question. And this doesn't mean... Uh, Go crazy and let your freak flag fly. That's not freaky flag. That, that's not that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, you know, with kind of going through all this, are you willing to give yourself permission to do the things you love, or are you worried about how they're going to be perceived? Like if you're in your mid 40s and you like the skateboard, is it okay to go do kickflips in your driveway, or you're like, oh my gosh, my neighbor is going to think that we- that's weird, or if it's like you know what, like everybody's going to Olive Garden and I hate Olive Garden and saying, just willing to stand up and say, eh, I don't want to do that, guys. Can we go somewhere else? Like, And I know those seem like such little things, but first off, are you willing to give yourself permission at the age you're at to do the things you love? Obviously within bounds, if you will. And then also, are you not doing them or are you concerned more about how they'll be perceived by others? For sure. And then just to, um, my, my thing to conclude is, um, truly believe. And I think this is just watching and observing through life and people we know around us, your forties and fifties, this is the time to set yourself up for your sixties, seventies and on. Um, so it is one of those, like with those four things, I, we truly believe that really focusing on that, that's going to put you and set you up for success moving in past the F word, like past it. And, and that's the kind of thing that you're going to see, you know, and a lot of times we hear like when I retire and this, and that day will come, but like, don't wait for it. Find it, find it right now. Absolutely. I think that's, incredibly critical that the changes you make now are going to manifest themselves well, well, well down the road. And I think fulfillment, and I should say, I know fulfillment follows right along. So I'd like to thank everybody for joining us on our first podcast. We've had a ton of fun. Yes, we have. Namaste. Namaste. (laughs) Namaste. Namaste. Well, hey, everybody, you guys have a good week. Go out and justify the F word. Make sure everybody that you come across treat them kindly 
That's you. That's you. Yeah. All right. Have a great day, everybody, and we will see you all next week. Keep it classy.